Mantar's memoirs, uh, we have a motto here, and the motto is, you only die once, but you live every day. Good evening, everybody, and happy holidays from the Monty and the Farrow family. I hope you all had a merry as well as safe and legal Christmas. I'm your host, Bruce, also known around here as ESO, and I'm joined here by my esteemed panel of wrestling experts. First, we've got the player, Benny Scala. What's up, Benny? Benny. Benny's in the house. The player, the player. Great at a player, though. We've got Dan <laughs> the Man, Sebastiano, the new what the new Da 30 champ. What's going on, buddy? The champion. New champion. You just introduced the player. Now you introduced the champion. Yeah, and yeah, we can't forget uh, about the guy in the bottom uh, bottom quarter. Had a lot of fun uh, taking that title. So looking forward to another great year working with you guys. Yeah, it's it's been uh, yeah. it's been fun. Yeah. So yeah. very oh, deserving, yeah. man. Very oh, yeah. deserving. Next, next we've got. The man in the bottom right-hand corner there, Joe. What a day, Lowry. What's up, Joe? What's up? You don't have the title yet, Dan. I still have it in my possession. I'm going to pull a Jay White. I don't think I'm going to give it back to you. I'm not sure yet. We'll see what happens next week. Just don't pull a Medusa. Next week, I'll just have to reveal what's in this pillowcase that I'm carrying around. Oh, jeez. And and uh, nice. finally, hope, maybe <laughs> a man that needs no introduction. A late late surprise to come on here, and I'm glad he did. We've got Mr. President Phil DeCesare. What's going on, Phil? What's going on, Bruce? Not to be confused with Loose, who's out there listening to us too. Loose, Loose is in the house tonight. Nice. I hope so. He's been in the house. Loose is always there. We're gonna we trap him in the house. We like we him. We got to give a special hi to Joe Myers, aka Baby Cakes. Baby Cakes. Yeah. And a special, uh, special shout out to, especially a special shout out to Mike Monty out there. Mike, you know, enjoy your day off. You better be back here next week. (laughs) MW, you'll be in trouble. Is Mike in the Caribbean? Where is he? He's like off the charts here. What's going on? So, well, you know, tonight's tonight's show we're going to be taking a look uh at the end of 2023. We're going to be we're going to take a look at the happenings of the of the past year. We're going to start off sadly as we saw in the video, several legends in this world of professional wrestling left us this year. It would take us hours to chat about all of them. So, we're going to cover several of the major ones and uh read, and then read off not, not a so short list at the end. The first was a very unexpected and untimely death of uh, Leaping Lanny Poffo. 
known him to the wrestling world as the genius and the younger brother of Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Lanny uh, left us very suddenly on February 2nd at the age of 68 while on vacation in New York. Lanny has been living a good life in Ecuador the last couple of years, and as as we will for the rest of the legends, let's go around the horn and uh, we'll talk about each of you about Lanny. So, uh, hey, Benny, what do you... Uh, what do you have uh, memory-wise of, of Leaping Lanny there? Lanny Papo, the wrestler, I really liked. You know, very talented guy, the genius. You know, scored a win over uh, Hulk Hogan on Saturday Night Main Event, right? Um, mm-hmm. Lanny Papo, the man, absolutely loved. One of my favorite people in the whole world. Got to meet him. I got to meet him in Ocala, Florida at uh, Dory Funk's uh, Funkin' Conservatory. Uh, did a little meet and greet there. I got to chat with him for a little bit. He even let me try on the uh, uh, Macho Man's Hall of Fame ring. But what a charming guy, very intelligent, very humorous, very charismatic, and, uh, you know, just a, a talent, a great guy. And, you know, the sad part is um, I saw a post on Facebook. He posted it the, the night before. He was in uh, New York City, Manhattan, uh, taking in a, a, I think a Broadway show with a very beautiful looking young lady, and you know that forgot what, but he, you know, nice post. And then uh, the next morning, I get an IM from uh, JP Zarka, mutual friend of ours, uh, my editor, the ambassador of Quan from uh, Pro Wrestling Stories, and all I heard was Lanny's dead. It's like what? I said no, Lanny can't be dead. Lanny just posted a few hours ago, but it was that quick. I guess so. You know, my message is that you never really know. You're, you know, one night you're out on the town, and you know the next day you you don't wake up. It's just so sad. But I love Lanny Papo. Yeah. So uh, really how about you, Dan? What What about you? You have any memories of Lanny? Oh yeah, I, I had the pleasure of meeting him at a meet and greet years ago. <clears throat> but he's also one of my favorite. <clears throat> excuse me. He's one of my favorite interviews that I've ever done. Sharp as a tack. I mean, you know, he's telling a story and it's not just, oh, well, you know, we were when I was working for Vince, we did this, this and this. It's, you know, March, uh, March 3rd, Tuesday, 507 p.m. Uh, I was talking in the back and, and you know, Randy was wearing a blue shirt and it's just, I mean, sharp as a tack. But I commented on the because uh, he, he had. <clears throat> all the environmental work he was doing with the, you know, li- I don't want to say living off the grid, but the very self-sustained energy and all in Ecuador. Um, but I, I commented, he had, he had released some stuff about all the poetry and it was really coming to the light that, that he, he had written all of that. That wasn't writers. That wasn't script stuff. And, and he said a lot of it was, you know, he, it was reaction to the fans. So, I mean, he's sitting at the gorilla position writing poetry that he's about to go out and read because he's got to play off the crowd. And he asked me about something and <clears throat> I, you know, I talked and it was like literally just off the top of his head, one of those rhyming Poffo poems about what we had just, you know, almost like an improv show. Give me a, give me a topic and a name of a person, bam. And he, right. You know, spewed this, this funny, gorgeous poem. And it was like, <clears throat> you know, like, like Benny said, I mean, just a great person. And one of the best, I, I he does not get enough credit for just how good of a mind he was for the business. He understood the nuance. He understood the character. And to this day, I'll argue he had the sweetest deal in wrestling history 
for the better part of five years, he worked for WCW staying at home. They sent him a check for, for his entire WCW tenure, and he didn't do a damn thing because Randy got him a job and creative just never had anything for him. So he was pulling six-figure incomes, sitting on his couch fishing and, and enjoying life. You know, I, I only wish we could have that kind of money. He he was the he, – he started – you know, just remember you know, all this talk about Otani and everything. He got his salary deferred, except he deferred his work. He got paid first and said I'd work later and just never worked later. So it was perfect. Nice, nice, very nice. So good stuff so there. What about you, Joe? You uh, have you had the chance to meet Lanny? Any uh, any memories of him? I never really met him uh, personally. I've seen him and so forth. I watched him entertain. Of course, Dan mentioned that he was a poet and all that stuff and. I knew him as the genius, right, in the World Wrestling Federation. And one of my friends, bought, you know, when they were doing that circus stuff and selling souvenirs like the Hulk Hogan candy bars and all that stuff, a buddy of mine bought a Frisbee. And on the back of the Frisbee was this poem. And I'm going to read it to you because I think it, it, it's very it, it's very ominous of what we're talking about today. And by the way, happy birthday, Lenny Poffo. Today he would have been 69 years old. Wow. Uh, oh, wow. The okay. World Wrestling Federation has caused a culture shock. In every phase of our society, from classical to rock. In a triumph of jubilation, every social class is one, with a single common interest just to have a little fun. I've seen the rapture in the eyes of fans of every nation. You made us what we are today, the World Wrestling Federation. You gotta love it. Lenny Poffo, the genius. Happy birthday. Those are my memories of Lanny Poffo. <laughs> yeah, how about you, Phil? What's what about you? Any uh, any good memories of him? You got him in studio memories. up there. Yes, I met Lanny twice. Uh, once in June of 1985, he and Randy were just coming to the WWF. Strangely enough, they were appearing in Fitchburg at the Wallace Civic Center, and I remember Fitchburg. Lanny walking in. You know it, Joe. Um, by himself, Randy didn't come in with him. But uh, Lanny had his gym bag, a big jug of water, I presume water, and a muscle and fitness magazine. And we stopped him, and he talked to us. And again, what's interesting is um, always a great demeanor, always in a good mood, always very forthcoming, generous with his time. Fast forward 34 years later in November, strangely enough, in the town of Gardner, which is right next to Pittsburgh, appearing in the capital of the world. Yeah, exactly. It is. Furniture Capital. And uh, really loved his brother. He wore Randy's cape to the ring. He had a tribute to Randy. He had the ring. He let me pose with it. He let my little son pose with the ring. We both got pictures with him, and we got some video from the event. So I'm going to treasure those times. And it's just so cool because his demeanor and everything was the same as it was 34 years before. So one in a million. We we love we love Leaping Lanny, the genius. That's awesome. Yeah. So so hey, Benny, uh, are you you in the chat right now? Have you uh, have you seen anybody uh, in there talking about Lanny at all? Uh, let's see. Loose Cannon said, I saw Lanny in New Haven in Hartford on top with Mr. Perfect. Mm -hmm. What else here? So, uh, B40 saw Lanny wrestle at the Nassau Coliseum in 1986. Uh, Davio, a, a Lanny Frisbee poem would be cool to have. Yes, it would, for sure. So. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, it's it, great, great, uh, great chat going on out there. A lot of people in there. We've got R.J. Hudson. We've got the First Lady Maria Davis. Uh, we've got uh, Joe Myers, Davio. Uh, she grew B40. up watching the Wallace Center in yeah. Pittsburgh. 
baby cakes. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Loose, loose cannon. Oh my God! What are they, the whispers? <laughs> so, the wallpaper. I don't know what is that, Jojo. I can't even see that. I can't even read that. But so, it, yeah, she grew up there. She knew what was going on. So, there, so. and let's not forget, him. Lenny Poffo was a man of many talents because he could perform himself, yeah. Felicio. Oh, oh, oh Bruce. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh, so uh, oh. let, 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 let's move on. On May seventh. <laughs> <laughs> On May 17th, we said goodbye to Eldridge Wayne Coleman, known to all of us as superstar Billy Graham. He passed away at his home in Phoenix just three weeks shy of his 80th birthday. He had been battling health issues for some time, I think pretty much since I started watching wrestling. Um, Billy, uh, he created a bit of controversy in his later years for his interactions with the fans regarding his GoFundMe account. You know, to, to me, what I remember of Superstar was he came back in the mid-80s and then he, you know, WWE did the big thing with him going into the hip surgery and stuff like that. I remember him getting replaced in the Survivor Series and uh, th those were my memories. Unfortunately, I never got to see him in, in that prime time. But, you know, you, you guys, some of you guys got to see him uh, when he was in his prime. Uh, what, what's your memories and what does he mean to you? Let's start, up, Joe? Let's, see, let's start with Joe. Why not? Well, we all know superstar Billy Graham was Hulk Hogan before Hulk Hogan. Um, there's no doubt about that. As a matter of fact, Hogan is on record saying that he was emulating him. Uh, superstar Billy Graham, way ahead of his time. I think Vince McMahon saw money in superstar Billy Graham. And obviously, what, 10 months he held the title. He sold out Madison Square Garden as a heel, which is unbelievable at that. You know, I, I was talking to Phil uh, during the, I was talking to the guys before the show when I read Superstar Billy Graham's autobiography. The man basically has been living off borrowed time for a while now. Uh, when I read his autobiography, he was pretty much on his deathbed in Arizona and a 26-year-old girl. I was trying to find out her name. I, I'm trying to find the book. I was running around. I couldn't find it. But uh, there was a miracle happened. Um, she got hit in a head-on tr uh, trucking collision and all that, and they, you know, he was on the donor list and all that stuff. But over the years, superstar Billy Graham, um, the steroid use, the blading, the cutting, the Hep C, everything else just added up and added up. And he was riddled with a lot of infections. I think his toes got amputated a few years ago. COVID came along. He had a he had a very tough last four or five years from what I can remember, hence the GoFundMe account and so forth. But it's not to say that he wasn't a fighter because this man, like I said, was living on borrowed time for a lot of years and he survived and, you know, he made his amends. He, you know, there was a time where he was involved with that steroid lawsuit with Vince McMahon and all that stuff. And, you know, Vince forgave him. He went into the Hall of Fame. You know, things do happen for a reason and all that stuff. But the, the memory that I have of Superstar Billy Graham is the man of the hour to, you know, too sweet to be sour. You name it. He had the voice. He did not need the Grand Wizard as a manager. Well, he didn't need it. He had it all. Yeah. But in the 70s, if you're a heel, you needed that guy to represent you, know, you managers, like yeah. the Grand Wizard. And right. he didn't need it. He was way ahead of his time. I loved him. I love watching the old videos. Unfortunately, even his autobiography, you know, they said he was a temporary champion. He lost the champion. He went into a deep depression. Right. When he showed up in Florida and the karate gimmick shaved head, <laughs> he was depressed. And and I'm, a, I'm afraid that he probably never fully recovered from that. And it's it's, it's sad, even though he came into the, the steroid ever in, in the 80s with WWF. 
the the pile driver album and all that stuff. The man was built like a you know, I hate to say it a brick shit house. This guy was huge. Uh, he's I, I, honestly he's probably bigger than Hogan when he was in his prime, and um, you know he just really never recovered from that, and it's a shame. But he tried to live the best life he could. He had a lot of boundary, a lot of a lot of obstacles. He overcame them. The man was a fighter. May he rest in peace. I love what he contributed to the sport, and his memory will obviously live on. Absolutely. So, uh, what about you? Uh, what about you, Dan? You got a, you got any memories of them? Yeah, it's it's interesting because Joe hit it on the head. You know where where the story, the narrative that he never really recovered. But go, I encourage anyone go look up some of the promos and matches he did in the karate gimmick. You know, yeah. uh, I'm a karate expert, kung fu, taekwondo, jitsu. You know, judo, kick. Even though judo doesn't have strikes, but you know, it, it, he he would just yeah. Any and, and and it was still wonderful, and his matches were still great, and he would just beat the pulp out of people with his karate gimmick. And here's a man who hates every second of his life right now because he doesn't like what he's doing, but he is still going to go out there and give 100 percent for the fans, the consummate professional. One of my favorite episodes Benny and I did on, on our podcast was uh, one of our what if shows. And it was a topic of should Billy Graham have ever, you know, have kept the belt and the general consensus, the numbers that the, the, the um, among the experts was, yeah. I mean, like you said, selling out Madison Square Garden as a heel. He was one of the biggest stars in the world. Benny will tell the story better than I do about stopping traffic. But I mean, anybody Anybody who watches wrestling today, yeah, you could talk about, you know, Hogan and, and what he did and then the NWA, but Billy Graham was one of those names that if it wasn't for him, wrestling would never have gotten to the heights it did. He was one of the most recognizable people in the world, even outside of wrestling. He was a huge star, but I mean, consummate professional, never really had bad moments or matches and ego, uh, even through all the, like you said, all the borrowed time, he still did his thing. I mean, it's, it, yeah, you don't want to focus on the last few years, which were rough. You want to focus on the good times, and he gave fans so many of them for so many years. Uh, you know, he was he was one of those losses that 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 that, that hurt as a, as a wrestling fan. Yep. How about good you, stuff, Benny? How about you? All right, I I got I got to borrow some classic uh, superstar Billy Graham quotes. <laughs> I lift barbell plates. I eat T-bone steaks. I'm sweeter than a German chocolate cake. How much more me can you take? I'm the reflection of perfection, the number one selection. I'm the man of the hour, the man with the power too sweet to be sour. I'm the woman's pet, the man's regret. What you see is what you get, and what you don't see is better, better yet. yet. I float <laughs> like a butterfly, sting like a bee. There's nobody as beautiful or as powerful as me. What a, I mean, geez, you talk about a guy who was ahead of his time. The unbelievable physique, the, the tie-dye shirts. You know, wrestling-wise, was he good? No. But did he have to be? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I agree with Joe. Did he need the Grand Wizard? Hell no. The Grand Wizard combed his hair. That was, you know, that was about all he really needed him for. Um, you know, and took his ring jacket. But Billy, I mean, his promos were so far ahead of his time. Billy Graham was the first heel. I mean, I was a Bruno guy through right. and through. I mean, have been for years and years, but I, I, I have to be very honest. I marked after Billy Graham big time. You know, again, you talked about like an open Ivan Koloff scoring a significant victory in the history of wrestling. You know, who disarmed Bruno yeah. to end his second reign was superstar Billy Graham. You know, and I, I he was told by Vince McMahon the exact day he was going to win the title 
and the exact day he was going to drop the title. So, uh, and when, you know, like Dan said, we had the what if scenario. What, what if they had kept Billy, you know, what if Billy had kept the title? Um, I always use the analogy that, you know, say you, you go to a job and you're, you know, you're on temporary assignment and you tell your, your new boss, look, I know you're, I'm only supposed to be here for 10 months, but you know what? I am going to do such a good job that when that 10 months is over, there's no way you're going to get rid of me because I'm just going to do so damn well. And you know what? In my opinion, Billy Graham did so damn well and then some, and he should have been given an extended reign either, you know, and switching, you know, switching him to a baby face or key. I mean, which I think at that time was, was pretty much overdue, but I couldn't say enough things about the guy as far as his, you know, his, his time in the rest and, you know, in the wrestling world, just, to me, one of the greatest heels of all time. One of the greatest personalities of all time. Nice. Good stuff. Good stuff. So, all right. What about you, Phil? You got a, you got anything to add to, to that? I certainly do, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, we talk about um, Hogan and others emulating Superstar, particularly Hogan. Superstar did borrow a little something from Hogan. And if you go back in time, if you remember back when they had the uh, – Superstar chop to the throat gimmick going on. And he, the superstar talked about the eye of the tiger. And he actually uh, used to come out, if you remember, it was only he and Sergeant Slaughter who would come out to music. Slaughter yep. would come out to the Marine Corps him. Yep. Superstar would come out to eye of the tiger. Okay. This is even before Hogan, I think, unless he was using it in the AWA. But Superstar was just such a, a model for the physical culture of the 70s and 80s, whether he was training with Arnold in Venice Beach, and we've seen those iconic pictures of them side by side, and, and Superstar just dwarfing Arnold, which is unbelievable, you know? And we look to the 1980 World's Strongest Man competition, where Billy Graham was, you know, making a good account of himself there, too. So he walked the walk, you know? There was a lot of power behind those muscles, too. And um, I can't just I imagine how many young bodybuilders uh, and and how many positive, healthy lifestyles that he helped launch by virtue of his, his, uh, you know, representing the culture. Amazing. So, yeah, what 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 a, what a loss. We're glad to have had him for a long time, and uh, and uh, I think he's resting easy now. Yeah, yeah he he, act, Bruce, real quick. He actually, um, they, he grew up in a poor part of Arizona, and his father worked at a steel factory and used to bring home rebar. And he wanted to lift weights. He has to put cinder blocks on the rebar, and that's how we started lifting weights in high school. Um, wow! He couldn't go to a gym and all that stuff. This yeah. picture is autobiography. If you guys ever get it, so uh, good, good, great story. Great story. Yeah. When I look at it, yeah, you, you see so many other wrestlers that were um, okay. When he came back, he was in his his mid to late forties, and you see so many wrestlers today that are just becoming relevant at that point, where you'll know, be attaining the world titles once they get to the mid late forties. You know, and uh, you know, look at Roman Reigns. What is he? He's well, he's mid forties, but you know, these guys, it's it's kind of crazy and. Superstar at that point when when I got to watch him in the mid '80s, he was he was already in bad shape, and he he was just, just to me he was old from the time he was forty till the time he was eighty. It didn't seem like he aged anymore, um, but that was just my perception yeah. where, from where I grew up. Well, that's yeah. all the that's all the steroid use and everything, and his health issues. I mean, he lived a he lived the role like Ric Flair did when he was champion. He 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 lived hard. He partied hard, and he, you know, obviously worked hard. But 
you know, that catches up to you. And back yeah. then, you didn't have the medical advances we have nowadays where you can come back at 45 after having a torn ACL or whatever and all that stuff. When, you know, you ripped your shoulder out back then, you ripped your shoulder out. You either yeah. worked through it or you recuperated from it. It's not like how it is nowadays. That's and he, sure. he did shrink uh, several inches yeah. in height from all those injuries from yeah. his hip replacement, his back. So yeah. he says he lost three or four inches in height, too. Yeah. Someone in the comments, someone made a comment about him not being that tall. He was pretty tall. Once he was tall when he was champion. Oh, he was yeah. A tall guy. And again, the ravages of time, injury, and, and lifestyle definitely took, took its toll. Yeah. I hope they make a movie about him someday. That'd be great. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Very deserving of a movie. Yeah. 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 So yeah, on June 7th, we lost a true legend. Cosro Vizari, a.k.a. the Iron Sheik, passed away at his home in Fayetteville, Georgia, at the age of 81. Sheik scored one of the most significant victories in history in the history of professional wrestling when he ended the nearly six-year reign of WWF champion Bob Backlund in December of 1983, helping to usher in, or losing the title to Hogan, ushering in the rock and wrestling connection, which it changed rest, the face of wrestling forever. We could easily do a whole show on this man, but what are your guys' thoughts and memories on the, uh, on the Iron Sheik, man? <laughs> What a legend! So, Joe, what do you what do you have? Um, the Iron Sheik, unbelievable. Without the Iron Sheik, there would be no Hulkamania, there'd be no WrestleMania, there'd be no Rock and Wrestling connection. He played his character for perfection. One of my greatest memories of the Iron Sheik at that time was the fact that Saturday morning wrestling came on and Vince McMahon had breaking news and it was the Iron Sheik. We have to take you to Madison Square Garden, December 26, 1983. And what happened? The inevitable. Bob Backlund, my childhood hero, champion of five and a half plus mm. years, lost the title. And it was just my phone. Now you got there's no internet back then. There's my phone would not stop ringing. My mother was like, "What the hell's going on?" My father didn't know it. I said, "Look at Bob Backlund just lost a title. This is breaking news. This is huge." And the Iron Sheik has been synonymous with professional wrestling since then. Not even, probably before then, but since then, you know. His, um, you know, I got a WrestleMania poster up. See, the inaugural WrestleMania, and half that roster is deceased and so forth. And so it is. But the immortal words of he works out Iran number one, Russia number one, America hot patooey. <laughs> what, a, what a character. 1980, he came around with that, that Hussein Arab Iron Sheik thing, the Iran hostage situation. You talk about a guy and a promotional company that will go ahead and capitalize on that. Another one that is synonymous with professional wrestling. I keep saying it, but the Iron Sheik, and of course, in his later years with those goddamn tweets every day of F this and F that. Oh, Kogan is a jabroni. His off, he was off his rocker like Joe Cocker. I couldn't stand it. I'm like, you gotta be kidding. But God love the Iron Sheiky baby, as he liked to be called. Um, like I said, there'd be nothing without him. No Hulkamania, no WrestleMania, no rock and wrestling connection. You know, he was a great man. Great man all the way around. Great man. So, so Benny, what do you have to add on that? All right, I got three things. So, number one, when, in 1987, I was living in Hagerstown, Maryland. Uh, the WWF was at Hagerstown High School. The main event was Billy Jack versus the Iron Sheik, oh. Billy Jack Haynes. And uh, one of the guys I worked with at City Corp was the referee at the, of the match, and she got DQ'd. 
at the end of the match, you know, started kicking the crap out of the referee. <laughs> Gets out of the ring. Somebody spits right in his, on his head. And he just, I mean, that flipped the switch. And he just started, he went ballistic. He <laughs> he came within a, a, a foot of knocking me on my ass. And I just remember him telling the cops, arrest that motherfucker. <laughs> and uh, boy, he was hot. I mean, if he would have caught that guy, he probably would have killed him. He, he would have made him humble, you know, the, the, the iron sheet wave, you know what I mean? But um, that that was number one. Number two was, uh, remember him slapping the shit out of Eric Sims, which is always a good uh, a good thing. Mm. And uh, the third thing was, like Joe said, his tweets. You know, things such as anybody who says oopsie-daisy can go fuck themselves. You know, <laughs> classic stuff like that. Now, what a character. Love it, love it. So, all right. Um, let's see. Let's uh, let's go over to Phil. What do you got? What do you have on him, Phil? I'm sure you've got some interesting stuff, especially coming out of Boston up there. You know that. You know that, Bruce. You know, a whole new generation got to uh, really experience the Iron Sheik via Howard Stern, of course. And yes. before he reached Howard Stern, he uh, spent some time in Boston with my late friend Dan Marotti. In fact, oh, wow. uh, the very famous or infamous car accident that hobbled both Dan and Sheiky Baby for the rest of their lives um, happened in Massachusetts on Route 495 of all routes. We were just referring oh. earlier, Joe, to 495. Oh, yeah, the upper so, yeah, so, yeah. you know, the whole humbling, um, the whole humbling line and uh, started in Boston, man, you know. So we're, we're, we're proud of the Sheik and uh, putting Boston wrestling on the map and uh, certainly introducing himself to a whole, whole new generation of people, even outside of professional wrestling. And also... Reading about him in the newspaper in the mid '80s on the Jersey Turnpike, getting pulled over with our friend oh, Max yeah. Jim I'm still gonna say that. You know, Vince didn't kill kayfabe. I don't think. I think that incident really yeah. raised a lot of eyebrows. A lot of people were scratching their heads, including yeah. me. So yeah. we love the Sheik. You know, that made my local little newspaper down here in Newburgh. That, yes, uh, it made so many of the little papers. I loved yeah. it. Yeah, I re- <laughs> I remember that. My parents are like, "You see this." <laughs> Yeah, uh, but uh, and you hey, know J. A. Will, who appears in our chat, has has seen uh, the Sheik at the gym back in the day, because he was a Georgia guy too. So uh, he's had some interactions with the Sheik. So we've all been touched by the Sheik somehow. It's thankfully, not in certain places. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, mean, I, 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 grew, I grew up uh, always always a heel fan. I was a, a fan of the Sheik. I mean, I I was actually uh, here. I have a, I have a little uh, dummy uh, Bendy figure of him up here. Uh, I've got that. Yeah. I, uh, this past I was this past Halloween I was actually going to dress up as the Iron Sheik, but unfortunately we had that all, we the issues go all the issues going on. I didn't think it was the proper time to dress up as as yeah. a, an Iranian person, so I, I chose at that point not to. But man, yeah. <laughs> Next Halloween, Bruce. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, so Dan, what, what do you have, Dan? You know, it's funny you held that you hold that up because I was actually going to mention that 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 one of the very first runs of action figures ever made for wrestling was you know it's all the good it's all the good guys everybody loves and one Iron Sheik figure the fact that he was important enough to be included in the first batch of figures I think is telling to not only what he needed but. It, of all the, the heels and all the bad guys you could have picked, Sheik is the one that kids are buying at the store so they can beat up that figure. I think that's important. Now, I also, 
something I give him credit for. It, it, it tends to be a little less looked looked on because you're exploiting a real tragedy. But uh, he also came in, oddly enough, the, as a, the Iranian. He played an Iraqi. He was Colonel Mustafa with the Sergeant Slaughter turncoat heel gimmick. And he actually brought a lot to that and kind of helped catapult it to that level of we're going to headline WrestleMania with Iraqi sympathizer Slaughter and Colonel Mustafa and you know, I, uh, I, but I, I want to say, and I know it gets beaten to hell. Uh, I hate, I hate Twitter. I always have. Iron Sheik is one of the only reasons I ever had a Twitter account. Him and George Takei <laughs> were the only celebrities I followed. And I just a couple I want to point out. Um, I, well, I, uh, that one involves things that'll make you humble. Let's skip that one. Um, <laughs> Paul, uh, I just for anyone I didn't say go fuck yourself last year. Go fuck yourself. Happy New Year. Uh, happy birthday, William Shatner! You son of a bitch! You could have sex with any alien woman you want. Uh, Paul Kogan, you jabroni. Paul Kogan, you're worse than when the PF Changs doesn't give me enough dipping sauce. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Paul Kogan, you're full of more shit than than me after Mexican. <laughs> uh, he's got so many of these. I, you, but... you could do a show just on his tweet on his tweets. I know, really. Oh yeah, yeah. God. And uh, I did love the sl- and, and he mentioned Howard Stern. I did love the slow progression from the camel clutch. Uh, I'm going to break your back and make you humble to full blown sexual assault. That I'm going to do horrible things to your ass and make you humble. And and just watching that slow progression was quite entertaining. He was one of the most uh, entertaining figures in wrestling years after he Absolutely. stopped wrestling. Just because of his incredible social media presence. My God. So listen, guys, we, we got to take a quick break. But when we get back, we're going to talk about, unfortunately, one of our own family that we lost. So we'll be right back. The Monty and the Pharaoh Show is brought to you by... Because wine is your second favorite four-letter word. California wine... New York attitude. Good fucking wine. Yeah. Tired of that same old, same old breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Same old tasting scrambled eggs, burger, that dinner steak, ribs, or pork chops. Why not add a little bit of spice or just a touch of heat to make the difference? Change that scrambled egg with a little bit of Johnny Fabulous's John Cena Sr.'s Million Dollar Jalapeno Hot Sauce. Great on burgers, steaks, chops, and those barbecued ribs. And Nitro's Garage for all your automotive needs. Call 646-675-2349. That's 646-675-2349. For all your automotive needs, Nitro's Garage. Ask for Jack. Do you treat your dog as part of the family? (laughs) Well, so do we. So why not celebrate your pup's birthday with the ultimate party box? Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Party Pup Info, and let us make your pup's party or any celebration perfection. M&J Video Games and Collectibles. Sport and non-sport cards, wrestling items, autographed items. We buy, sell, and trade. M&J Video Games and Collectibles, located at... 
1049 Queen Street, Southington, Connecticut. Call us at 1-860-479-9223 or 860-93-GAMES. M&J, video games and collectibles. Hey, and welcome back to this special edition of the Monty and the Pharaoh Show with most uh, most of the Monty family here, and uh, we're reviewing the year. And uh, right now, we're we're going to take a a little bit of a, another sad course. And uh, on July 11th this past year was the day that Mike Halleck left us, uh, better known as Mantor. Mantor, Mike, as we all knew him, he was a member of the Monty and the Pharaoh family, and uh, for a bit, he had his own show on the channel. In the interest of time, I'll just ask Benny on this one as he spent some time shortly w with him shortly before he passed. So, uh, yeah, Benny, uh, yeah, just like you, I got to know him pretty well. So uh, why don't you take this one? Yeah, just, I mean, I, you know, Mike was coming down to Florida. So I got to meet, meet Mike, I guess it was uh, early April, I believe. And uh, Mike said, uh, Mantar Mike is uh, driving down to meet us. I guess he lived in Carl Gables, which is about three hours south, I believe. Uh, and so we met. We all went to this uh, the Hudson Beach bar by me, and we just hung out and you know, shot the breeze, talked about wrestling. But, I mean, I really didn't know the guy that much because when he, you know, when he came to the WWF, you know, to me at that point, it was kind of a, a circus. And I did follow it, but not with the same passion I did when I was younger. And I, I was always intrigued by that, the, the Mantar head, and, you know, and I, I thought he should have did better, but, you know, it's funny, I mean, I mean, it's not funny, I mean, sadly, he passed away, I guess, maybe three, three and a half months after I met him, it just, it would, and he had done another a guy that had done a video a couple of days before saying, you know, live your best life, and just like with Lanny, you know, with Lanny, I got the, the, the IM from JP that, uh, that uh, that Lanny was dead with uh, Mantar. It was uh, Mike Monty called me? He said Mike Mike is dead. I said what? I, you know, just a shocker. I mean, the guy was on. Like Dan said, he was supposed to be on our show the next week. Um, just but what a nice guy, you know. Just you know, great fun. You know, good sense of humor. Uh, very honest man. And I mean, I, I actually, I, I called him my friend. I mean, I met him only once, but you know, with Dan and I were looking forward to interviewing him. I, I did write a story about him uh, at, right after he passed away that is now on the pro wrestling stories website. Just, just a great guy. He's definitely missed. I, I have to agree, Benny. I got, I didn't get to meet him in person on that at that period, but uh, I got to work with him uh, quite a few times on the podcasts and uh, uh, had some really, really cool conversations. I wish we would have recorded it because I tried. We were going to end up talking about it a few weeks later, uh, but I was on the. I was talking to he and PN News, and we were talking a lot about the Otto Vance, uh, the catch wrestling over in Europe, and. The, yeah. the way it works and the, you know, they were talking about how the rounds work and you know, what they would do in between the rounds to get the crowd going like, uh, but it never got the, got the chance to, to get that out of them. And I got that same phone call that night uh, from, from Mike, you know, I'm like, are you kidding me? I, I literally moderated his show the, the day before it was like, wow. Like it was totally, totally unexpected. And uh, you know, it was definitely a big loss to the, to the channel because I, I really think, he, he was coming to his own again. He was. Uh, it seemed like he was in a new, you know, a new life, new new smiles, ready to ready to, you know, yeah, explore. Yeah, he was new... losing some weight. He was getting himself back in good shape. 
Yeah. Seemed very positive, very upbeat. And, you know, you said about the, the Catch Wrestling Association in, in Germany. He was really over there as Bruiser Mastino uh, won a number of championships chips in Germany. And uh, one thing that I didn't even realize that when I, you know, did some research to do the story, I didn't realize that he he won the USWA version of the uh, the World Heavyweight Championship. He beat Lawler in Memphis for it. He only only held it for a week, I believe. But you know, still the guy was a world champion. There you go. Yeah, what a good wow. great guy. And unfortunately, he was it was part of the Monty and the Farrell family that we lost this year. It was to- totally totally unexpected. Well, yes, let's let, let's let's move on. We're going to be talking about another legend that we all uh, we've all probably enjoyed a, a lot in our in our lifetime, and that was uh, Terry Funk. In almost everyone's opinion, he was one of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time. Besides being a former NWA World Champion, he transcended professional wrestling and appeared in movies such as Paradise Alley, Roadhouse, and Over the Top. And he unfortunately passed away on August twenty eighth at the age of seventy nine. Another legend that we could easily spend the rest of the night talking about. And, uh, gentlemen, what are your thoughts on this man, Terry Funk? Dan, what do you, what do you, what do you remember? Well, I'm on the road right now. If I, if I wasn't, <clears throat> I would show you. I would turn the camera. Uh, my, you guys have seen the background of my man cave. Um, I have a whole wall. Well, a section of a wall dedicated to wrestling. And anybody that has any kind of decorations – you know, wall space is at a premium. So I don't have everybody's <laughs> autograph, everybody's picture. I don't have all that up there. One of the one of the autographs I do have on the wall is Terry Funk because he's earned it. He's up there with Bruno and Bachwinkle and, you know, some of these guys that it's Zabisco that are just absolutely deserving. And I mean, you can't be a fan of really you can't be a fan of, of wrestling without liking Terry Funk is not only just from what he did, but how long that he did it. Somebody I'm the youngest person he, uh, in our group right now, somebody younger than me that would have grown up watching, let's say nineties wrestling would have seen Terry Funk in the WWF. They would have seen, you know, late WCW hardcore champion, Terry Funk in 2000. They would have seen, you know, ring of honor. I mean, he, if I'm correct, if I'm wrong, he's the only person to have wrestled in all those promotions. WWF, WCW, ECW, Ring of Honor, uh, of course, and then anybody a little older, maybe you know, a few months older than I am, like Benny is, would have known him from the territory days. I mean, you can't. You, it's just one of those things where I, could, like you said, we could talk all night about his accomplishments, but he performed so well at such a high level, and really, other than uh, a few of the backstage stories that you hear about, you know, hey Vince, I got to go check on my horse. I've told, we've we've had the pleasure of interviewing wrestlers that have worked with him, and he was one of those guys in the locker room that people loved and respected. I mean, he it's not a hundred percent the way it was with Bruno, but he just he deserved and he he earned it. And it's like I said, it really to summarize, it's impossible to be a wrestling fan without at least respecting Terry Funk. Huge loss to the business. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean. He, to me, Terry Funk, I got to see him first in WWF, tagging with his brother at that point, known as Haas, but you know Dory Funk Jr. and uh, you know one of the one of the things he did, he transcended into into the movies. And one of the reasons I got to see one of the movies that ends up being one of my favorites of all time was because Terry Funk was in it, and that's Roadhouse. And now every time I, 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 
absolutely. I mean, Roadhouse is such a phenomenal movie. And honestly, I probably as a kid wouldn't have gone to see it if Terry Funk weren't in it. But now, I mean, if that movie's on, I watch it every time. I mean, it's a, it's bound to happen. So, but uh, what do you got? What do you got, Betty? What do you have to say on this? I, I have a really, I think, a very nice Terry Funk story. So before Dan and I and Benny was Dan and Benny, we were part of a show called uh, Wrestling with the Future, which was hosted by Angelo DiCipio. And for reasons only known to God Almighty and Angelo DiCipio, uh, he gave me Terry Funk's phone number. I thought he was revving me. And he said, uh, do me a favor, call uh, call uh, Terry Funk and tell him you're an on-air talent, like with like really on air talent seriously and uh just like because i guess terry had recently had uh, i think a hip replacement i believe and he said uh tell tell him that you know we're all thinking about him and i thought all right like yeah who's gonna like it's gonna be joe's meat market or something like that uh, so i call and it, it actually was terry funk and i mean i'm sure he's thinking who the fuck is this guy like i said oh i'm benny scala from wrestling with the future and uh and I thought, you know, the hell with that. I'm just going to be me. I said, Terry, you know, I just want to let you know that, that I'm, I, I know that you had some health issues. And I think at that time was when he was first experiencing dementia. And he was very, what did you hear? And I said, no, you know, we're talking about your, your hip replacement. I said, uh, you know, I'm really, I just want to make sure, you know, checking in you, make sure you're doing all right. I, and then I said, and I want you to know there's millions of fans like me who feel the same way that I do. And when I said that, he goes, you know what? That's just about the nicest thing that anybody ever said to me. And then, like, after that, he was a completely different person. Chatted with him for a few minutes. And I thought, man, this is a great guy. But what what, what that guy did for wrestling, I mean, it would take us till next month to, yeah. to, you know, to talk about. Just, you know, you talk about, like, the Matt Rushmore. If Terry Funk's not on it, he's pretty darn close. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh well, a, a day later, we were we were stunned and shocked by the very sudden passing of a, another uh, young legend, the passing of Wyndham Rotundo, a.k.a. Bray Wyatt, at the very young age of 36. This one had a huge impact on the wrestling community at large, as Wyatt was widely popular, and it was it had such a huge following. Last time around the horn, guys. So, uh, Benny, what do you got? Yeah, what, do you, what can you say about this guy? I mean, what a phenomenal talent i mean i you know at the time i really wasn't watching wwe that much uh i i watched enough to see that the guy was absolutely magnetic as far as his appeal to the audience i mean as far as his i mean for a guy that was built the way he was was amazingly agile and just you know just had a great mind you could tell for professional wrestling so i'm going to save you know save some time for the I mean, maybe the rest of you guys who know a little bit more about him than, than i do but you know just what a shame another one that we're going to you know it's another what if we're going to say what if the guy had you know completed his career i mean how many good things would have been ahead of him for the next 10 15 years yeah what do you what do you have to say about that dan yeah, I mean, I, I when I was just talking about Terry Funk, I said, you know, he's one of those guys that I've never heard much, many bad things about. Uh, and I use Bruno as an example. I've heard zero, zero bad things about Bray Wyatt. I mean, he was just beloved. Everybody in the locker room, the even as as an upcoming new guy, 
you know, with the Husky Harris gimmick. He's still working with some of the talent in the background. But I also look at the adversity he overcame. The Bray Wyatt, the Husky Harris gimmick didn't really work out. The Bray Wyatt character was one of the best things they had going for them. And they continued to bury him and feed him to The Undertaker and feed him to John Cena. And he's losing and people aren't really caring. And then they try the Braun Strowman thing and he and they feed him to Randy Orton. And then so he slowly darkens and he's got the brown apron and they put him in a tag team with broken Matt Hardy. And maybe that'll be the next bump. And then they lose the tag titles to the B team who had been literal jobbers, pre-show jobbers a couple weeks before. So that doesn't work out. Then they bring the Fiend in and the Fiend is something they can work with. And then they feed the Fiend to Goldberg and... Yeah, yeah, on and on and on. The, the the WrestleMania with Alexa Bliss bleeding the black and him losing to Orton and dying and being set on fire. And don't even get me started on the fact that he, the Fiend lost the Hell in the Cell match by referee stoppage because he was being beaten up too badly. But every time he came back and he gave it his all and the fans rallied around him again because you just beloved it. You, you felt bad for him, but you also wanted to see him succeed so desperately. You knew he had... He had something. He had that spark. The the Firefly Funhouse and the Fiend and Bray Wyatt and the, the Eater of Worlds and the Deleter of Worlds and everything he was doing, every step of the way, the fans loved him. It was such a travesty because he had started his comeback and then he had the health issues and the COVID. And, I mean, 36 is just too yeah. – I know it sounds cliche. It is too damn young to die of anything, more or less, you yeah. know, uh, unexpectedly to be lost like this. You saw the damage that was done. Uh, you know, obviously Luke Harper uh, having you know uh, having died previously, and you you could see the emotional like uh, anytime they have these ring the bell moments or people out there talking, and you could see the real emotion. You could see how beloved he was. Nothing but respect, and like Benny said, it's it's a what if. I mean, if they had handled him better, he would have been one of the biggest stars in the world. And if he hadn't have died, if he had been able to come back from this, imagine. Bray Wyatt against CM Punk or, or Bray Wyatt against Cody. Some of these moments you could be having right now. It's He was probably the biggest what-if loss because we did talk about a lot of legends, but Bray yeah. Wyatt had, you know, he stays healthy, he stays alive, he's got 10 or 15 more years in front of him, and it's just, it's sad. That was the one that hurt. Oh, definitely. Yeah. definitely. So, uh, so, Joe, what, what do you have to, what do you have on Bray? This is a tough one. Absolutely a tough one. I remember being in the other room and my baby cakes, Joe, said Bray Wyatt just passed away. And I was like, what? And I immediately shed a tear. Um, so many, so so few, I should say, can do that to a person based on his character. I don't know this guy personally, but he entered my home on a weekly basis. He gave me a character. He gave me somebody I could look at. He entertained me. The Firefly Funhouse, the matches in Saudi Arabia with Seth Rollins and all that stuff. You know, obviously his heart was so big that God wanted it before us. And and that's okay in that realm of things. But the thing that got me, he revolutionized the business after it needed to be revolutionized. I mean, he has merchandise now that is still selling. I think there was a Fiend belt like five years ago. $5,000 you can buy. I'm a belt enthusiast. He had a fiend belt. People were selling that belt out. He was a cult phenom. He was the man that talked to the Undertaker in the ring. And to this day, we don't know what was said. The man was truly gifted. And like Dan said, 
what he did in the locker room. I've heard stories of Braun Strowman when he was a rookie. He came in. He paid for Braun Strowman's hotel stays for 30 days. He fed him. This is who he was. This is who he was. And it's unfortunate that we only get to hear about this after they leave this earth. It's sad. It's 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 horrible. I feel bad for JoJo, family, uh, Mike Rotunda. The, they, they miss him. This guy was larger than life. And I do hope, honestly, they induct him into the WWE Hall of Fame this year because that is one guy right now in the family that deserves it. And that's my yeah. name, Bray Wyatt. Yeah. So, uh, so, so, Phil, uh, what, what do you what do you have go on uh, on Bray? You know, in a in a summer sky full of fireflies, uh, Bray was a shooting star. You know, we're so happy to have had him for a little bit. And you know, we talk about uh, this diversity, this ability to play different characters. And if you just take a look at him, you know, he's an imposing figure, and when he wants, he can look very scary. But, you know, you can flip that around and he's got this innocence and he almost has this childlike quality at times and, and almost an innocence. So he had that ability to, I think, to uh, to shift gears and really have, you know, to put forth different personalities at different times. And that's what made him so versatile as a performer. You know, he could do the comedy skits, which I, I grew to like, actually. And I know they were for a while. People were a little, you know, the people had their critiques and what have you. But uh he did it very well, and he was able to juxtapose that with the ominous, cultish leader that he was. And again, just lighting up the arena, it was just an amazing thing to be a part of live. You get your phone out and you turn it on, and I always liken it to The Undertaker back in the day. Everyone had their lighters out. They were flicking their bicks back in the day, and he's, he was, the, he was the, the successor, the heir apparent, I think, to The Undertaker. And in some ways and in, in terms of in that whole genre and that supernatural realm and uh you know but what a talent what a physical presence in the ring what timing he was always in the right spot he needed to be unique move set for sure and you know that could only come through at uh, three generations of, of breeding so uh yeah. you know an incredible loss a shocking loss but again a, a wonderful visit for all of us yeah, so. can, can i just read it real quick phil on that one his entrances with the fireflies and all that stuff that was must see tv you wanted to be a part right. of that and yeah. i was at the garden a few times tlc 07 all that stuff he was yeah. there and i remember like this is undertaker like stuff here yeah that was lightning yeah. in a bottle no pun intended but they needed to capitalize on that yeah so the rest of the i piece. think to to, to tack on to that too other than i mean I, I had the pleasure of being in the arena when bray wyatt's come out and seeing it a lot but I'm always nitpicky for the little things. When he would do the lantern and he'd blow it out, and it was oh, obviously an electric lantern that he was just turning off, okay. he was so imposing. I didn't care that he was hitting a switch while he was blowing out a light bulb <laughs> no, because that, it yeah. didn't matter. Because you, hey, he, by the time he blew that lantern out, you were so engrossed in what he was saying. It didn't matter that it was a cheap-looking prop. And then when he had the lantern, when he, when he did the Fiend and he had the Bray Wyatt head lantern, you taught, like you said, Undertaker-esque must see one of the best entrances of the last decade without question. And let's not forget, folks, he carried that company through COVID as well with those cinematic right. matches. I mean, yeah. oh, my yeah. God. Like, that, that was a whole different level there. Like, we, I mean, can you imagine if he was still around what we'd be seeing today? It would definitely revolutionize yeah. the industry what it is now. There's no right. doubt about it. 
I agree. Uh, yeah, good stuff, guys. Good yeah. stuff. So uh, Jason Moaning brought up, uh, it's not wrestling related, but uh, and this one is actually personal to me, is rest in peace, Tommy Tommy Smothers from the Smothers Brothers. Um, oh, yeah. yeah I, I, I have, my water day yesterday. I, I have personal connection with this, and uh, you know, my grandmother, <laughs> my grandmother's brother, my great uncle, <laughs> was a, a writer named Rod Warren, and uh, he was okay. the one of the, he was the head writer of the Smothers Brothers uh, comedy so, uh, hour. Well, been, wow. so, when did that happened he died yesterday yeah yeah oh yeah yeah it's uh, cancer yeah it's it's, cancer i put that on my water day that wasn't my water day yeah you can go look him up his his name's rod warren uh i mean he did that he did lily tomlin specials but i remember when i when i was a kid the uh i mean i was so young but you know some of the stuff he would tell me about these things and uh it's pretty cool but his his big claim to fame was uh the the star wars holiday special about debauchery so The Smothers Brothers was an edgy, Gary, uh, really yes. yeah. program. They had those CBS censors on the edge yep. of their seat that, all yeah. the time. Yeah, that was. What, they were anti-Vietnam War. They were really something. I mean, they didn't were, they? Yeah. They actually didn't they sue them, Phil? They had to sue the censors. I think they sued CBS. I think they did. Yes. Wow. And you know, uh, Tommy Smothers uh, was a good friend of Jim Morrison from The Doors, actually, wow. and they performed on the show before. I've got this great picture of Jim and Tommy sitting together in the audience. It looks like they're critiquing something. <laughs> wow! Just, you know, it's really cool. But yeah, what a what a what a what a trailblazer! What a what were, a brave guy! They, 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 they were ahead of their ahead of their time. I mean, they led into oh, that. Yeah. You know, I don't think Laughing would have been able to pull out what they did if it weren't for Oh, well, Laughing, yeah, right. Yeah, you know, what what those guys yeah. were doing on the other side. So, but listen, yeah, we had, Jim and Tommy were they were they were critiquing the censor guys. That's what they probably were like, yeah. yeah. So the other wrestling legends that left us in 2023 were Jerry Jarrett, Bushwhacker Luke, Darren Drozdoff, Exotic Adrian Street, Abe Jacobs, Adnan LKC, Joyce Grable, Brett Sawyer, and Jay Briscoe. But uh, let's move on to yeah. some, some more cheerful stuff and let's uh, let's chat about some of the major events in in 2023. So back in January, Vince McMahon returns to the WWE after retiring in late 2022, and McMahon is ostensibly back to facilitate the sale of the of the company. So, Benny, what do what do you what do you think about that? How do you? <laughs> I'm with Goldberg. Vince McMahon's a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> he put a couple billion in his pocket and still has a lot of stocks in there. You know the. I mean, say what you want about the guy. Like to me, the two biggest coups in the history of professional sports. We want to consider wrestling a sport. You had, you had George Steinbrenner buying the New York Yankees from CBS in 1973 for 12 million dollars. What are the Yankees worth now? How many billion? I mean, they, and yeah, if the Mavericks, the Mavericks just sold partially i mean and you realize i mean yes it's a major market but they just sold for uh at, at the at, the price was at four billion it was the uh, overall so could you i mean what would the yankees be worth yeah 10 billion but yeah. i mean and then you had you know vince mcmahon in 1982 buy i mean he didn't get the company from his father he, he bought the company from his father and he had to make four i believe and one of you guys can correct me if i'm wrong four quarterly payments of $250,000. And if he missed any of them, the company reverted back to his father. And uh, I mean, the guy just, you know, he, I mean, he, he gambled, he, you know, bankrolled his whole future 
on the WWF. So like for a million dollars, and what? How much did he get for the sale? Six billion. There you go. That's a good. Good return on your investment. Yeah. Well, the same you want by the guy, but I mean, look, look what he did. Yeah. He bought the company with his dad's own money too. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I think I, I think Vince McMahon did Vince McMahon in. To be honest with you, I mean he he was on his way out. He came back in. He was to faci- facilitate the sale of Endeavor and TKO Holdings. But then all of a sudden, here comes that press. You know, he's paying off women that he had these relationships with and all that stuff. And that's fine and dandy. You know, whatever you want. But you don't use the company's money and all that. So they brought him in, facilitate the sale. And look where he is now. He's kind of on the outside looking in. No matter what you hear in the press, he's really no longer part of WWE except for going to, you know, PR things or going to Christmas parties and all that stuff. But um, Vince McMahon did what he had to do, and he was there to facilitate a sale, and that's exactly what he did. Um, You know, Vince McMahon, God love him, hopefully will be in the WWE Hall of Fame because we would not have this show probably if it wasn't for Vince McMahon, if you think about it. (laughs) Vince McMahon is, again, I hate to use that word, synonymous with professional wrestling. He did what he – the man had a vision. There's no doubt about it. He had a vision. Hulkamania was a vision. WrestleMania was a vision. Everything else that's going on, Raw was a vision. SmackDown, we would not be here today if it wasn't for Vince McMahon. So, hey, what would you say, Dan? $6 billion? There yep. you go. And what's he, 79, 78 years old now? I mean, 78, has yeah. anybody seen him lately? He does not look well. I hate to say that. I, there was a UFC uh, video with, with him and Undertaker. He did not look good at all. And I don't know. If <laughs> I got, the, the best meme I saw uh, on that was they had a, a picture of Vince McMahon, The Undertaker, yeah. and, and Kane in the ring in oh. the late 90s. And then they showed yeah. a picture of The Undertaker, Vince McMahon, and him holding a cane from Saudi yeah. Arabia. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, he looks know. like he looks like Wayne Newton on crack. Yeah, this uh, yeah, I don't know what's up. like is that like is that like a form of dementia? He's trying to change his look. He does not look well. He doesn't look good at all. I'm kind of digging the uh I'm kind of digging the throw a throw the girl on the train tracks mustache that he has oh, now. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the, the, the Bob villains, the evil yeah. Walt, evil Lively Walt Disney. Evil I'm, Walt Disney. I'm just expecting Muttley to pop up in the corner. There you go. So let's fast forward. Hall of Fame now. <laughs> Let, let's fast forward to August 27th. AEW's pay per view all in sets a record for the most tickets sold for a professional wrestling event at eight, 81,035. Did this t- tilt the scales in any way in favor of Tony Khan? <laughs> Benny, I know you want to weigh on that, on this one. <laughs> You know, it's one of those things like the uh, what is it, what's that expression? You know, even even a blind squirrel bumps into a nut once in a while. I mean, you can't take this away from the guy. I mean, it it did happen, but I mean, they will never. It, it, you know, I, I'm a huge Yankee fan. I know that when I go to the Great Beyond, I will go to the Great Beyond with the Yankees still being the the most successful team in the history of professional sports. There's no way AEW will ever catch WWE. I, in fact, I, I think that they, uh, in the next two years, will actually seriously downscale because they can't sustain. I don't care. I mean, 
you know, we were we were debating this in, on Facebook, and uh, I know Javier Oist, who's a very good friend of ours, very you know, good friend of the shows, Dan and Benny, and you know, a great author for pro wrestling stories. He said that you know, thirty-four million dollar loss is like four bucks for us. Uh, yes and no. I mean, I don't care. Like, you don't become a billionaire by the, by being cavalier about money. So, thirty-four billion, a million rather, that's still a lot of money. I mean, they probably have a cumulative loss of close to 100 million. I mean, at what point does does Daddy pull the plug and say no more money, Junior? Yeah, that all depends on Trevor Lawrence's contract. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Well, the uh, the yeah, was it their their soccer team? Oh. The other the other sport they own. I just saw some some people sharing tweets about them selling out of an event. So. You know, the Khan family not going to run out of money anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's important, though. Wembley, they sold 81,000, assuming all the numbers are right, they sold 81,000 tickets. Can anyone name one match at Wembley? No, because all people have talked about since Wembley was the CM Punk Jack Perry debacle. Yeah. You, you built what was the biggest pay per view in your company's history, the highest selling international event of all time. And the only thing people are remembering about it. Well, I, let me rephrase that. The main thing people are remembering about it is that that was the downfall of your company that exposed how poorly run mismanaged and garbage your locker room is. And it's sad because that there, this is supposed to be the great thing. And then a few weeks later, Tony Khan's going to have a big announcement and the big announcement is we're selling tickets for Wembley next year. Oh, but look up the ticket list. There's already the stadium is only set up for 60 some thousand and they're not moving nearly as fast. They're already expecting next year's Wembley to be smaller. But also don't forget. And, and something that gets lost in the debacle was the rumors surrounding Wembley, Wembley and the hopes of Wembley was the highlight was going to be punk against the elite yeah. or some kind of a big you know, a punk and Omega punk and somebody and it didn't materialize. So a lot of those pre tickets before they even announced the match was fans fantasy booking. And what they got at Wembley was not what they wanted. Or let me rephrase that was worse than what they wanted. No, I, I, I think it's sad that, that Wembley is this, like Benny said, blind squirrel, you congratulations, you sold out an international arena that you'll never do again. You'll never do the same numbers. And the only thing we're t we want to talk about s of six months after the show is that your jobber got beat up and you lost the biggest star in wrestling because Tony Khan's an idiot at this point, like with, with the way he manages the company. <laughs> nice. I agree. So, I agree with that. So, so, Hey Phil, do you have anything to add on that? You know, <laughs> it was a monumental achievement for sure and uh you know we do have to kind of look at the context of the times in which it which should happen too and i think that does play a role in it you know in some ways maybe it was a make or break moment for them and obviously they made that moment and hopefully they can carry some momentum out of it but um can they do it again i don't know i don't know it's uh i, I think it's an impressive feat no matter how you look at it I'm optimistic. I love having two companies, and I know we can argue that they're not on the same level yet, and I totally understand that. But I do like to have a show to look forward to watching, and I do because it is unpredictable. Um, I have my critiques like everyone else, certainly, um, 
but I am still optimistic and I'm rooting for them. And I hope everyone is rooting for them. I mean, you know, it's, it's, we can all play Monday morning quarterback here and uh, certainly, uh, you know, critique them and, and rightly so that's our prerogative. And that's, you know, we know the product, we know we've been, we've been fans for years, but um, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Let's say that I'll, I'm going to go against the grain. I'm going to root for them and uh, I'm going to try to find some silver lining in all this. And uh, the Patriots are starting to pull things around this season. Too. <laughs> Everyone rolled them off. You know, look what's happening. You know, Bailey Zappi's in, and then all of a sudden it's, it's a different show. So maybe it's just a one person, you know? so, let, so let's be optimistic. We're wrestling fans, and we're gonna we're gonna root for for all the all the organizations. So. So, nice. So, nice. so let, let's talk about some fallout. So on, on sep- September 2nd, CM Punk's AEW contract is terminated after le- the legitimate backstage confrontation with Jack Perry. Punk would subsequently make a surprise appearance at the Survivor Series and appears to be heading towards WrestleMania, a WrestleMania showdown with Seth Rollins. Gentlemen, what impact does Punk's termination and subsequent reunion with the WWE have on professional wrestling? Everything. Yep. <laughs> yep. Everything. I'm gonna. Everything. I'm gonna turn this right over. Right over to Benny because I, I know he's got some some uh, good stuff on this. Well, I mean, yeah, everything. I mean, AEW loses their their primary moneymaker, their biggest star, and just you know, why? I mean, totally needless because uh, they can't control like dancer. They can't control the locker room. You cannot. I mean, Tony Khan's first mistake was hiring all these wrestlers as EVPs. You cannot you cannot make talent management. You can't do both at the same time. You've had instances where, you know, you had people booking, but like executive vice president, none of these guys like Punk. I mean, is Punk a choir boy? Absolutely not. You know, n- nobody's going to say that he's a model employee. I mean, I think what we see now uh, is a watered-down version of CM Punk. Uh, in you know the, the promos that I've seen so far in WWE, and I'm wondering if that's done on is being done on purpose, and right. we're going to see the edgier version of Punk, you know, in in the next you know, in the, in the, the near future. But no, I mean, like he's still selling; he's still t- the top merch seller in AEW. He definitely has moved the needle in in WWE. The needle in AEW is moving downwards. I think his departure is going to affect any future uh, TV deal they have. So, yeah, I mean, big, big mistake. Like uh, uh, when the movie Pretty Woman, when uh, Princess Vivian goes to uh, go shopping for a dress and uh, they don't want to serve her because she's a whore. Yeah. And uh, she goes, big mistake, big, huge. No, so, she, was, yeah, they, she, was, she wasn't dressed right. That's all it was. Yeah. She was a whore. Yeah. The, oh, that's right. I, well, I'm, I'm fixated on whores. So I'm sorry. But, yeah, I mean, what, what a, I mean, you talk about a shooting yourself in the foot. Big mistake. So, yeah. So, yeah. Phil, what do, what do you got? What do you have to add on, on to this? Well, let me tell you, Bruce, if they can land a deal with Pepsi, they're going to be swimming in some money. And I, <laughs> yeah, I don't know why they absolutely. haven't done that yet, you know? <laughs> Pump may be like a little bit of a flat Pepsi right now, but I think there I think there are more cans in the six pack. I think he's got a little more carbonation left, and I think we've only seen the 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 um, just a bit of his edginess. I definitely agree with that assessment. And you know what? And earlier we were talking about maybe a heel turn, and I you know that's inevitable. Let's build the face up. Oh, yeah. Let's get everyone so emotionally involved, mm-hmm. and then you know what? 
let's take the wind out of the sails, you know. Okay, you gotta, the big turning point will come, you know, not quite yet, but it, it will come. And, uh, you know, he already has a great backstory, uh, a shoot backstory in terms of, uh, I think, elements of his character and his volatility. Sure. So I can see this being worked into the uh, storyline for sure. And really, that's really, I think, how these stories evolve now. Everything comes from more of a shoot, you know. It seems like we're doing more out of um, social media and, and all these rumors than we are with actual storylines. So, you know, it's kind of fascinating that the turn the business has taken in, in that respect. So, yeah, I definitely see the art imitating life uh, down the line and, and a big turn for him for sure. So, so, Joe, those wheels look to be turning down there. What do you have to say? You know, I agree with everybody's synopsis here, but, you know, I'm going to go the other route and say this whole thing, the CM Punk, the Tony Khan thing, this whole thing is a work. It's a work. And in mm. this business, it only works when it could benefit both parties. And right now, at the beginning, it benefited Tony Khan and AEW because all we talked about was the backstage brawl in the, in the what was it, the monitor that Tony Khan almost got hit over the head with and all this other stuff. Now we're coming to light that there were non-disclosure agreements signed upon, and now Chris Jericho's coming out. I didn't sign a non-disclosure agreement. This thing has work written out all over it. CM Punk wanted out. He got out. The WWE got him back, and that's where we're at, folks. CM Punk will return to CM Punk form. Probably not now. Probably WrestleMania, whenever it is. But I think this whole thing was built on a gimmick by Tony Khan, and it really backfired this is what happens when you are a effing mark and not a businessman right i hate to quote mjf on that but that's exactly what happened tony khan is being the the inmates are running the asylum this is like eric bischoff and wcw all over again worse worse it worse and worse i just don't understand where they're going with this i think the whole thing was a work i honestly believe that i don't want to carry on about it but i read about this stuff and everything that's going on now no way this is definitely a work. It's backfired on AEW. Now they're backpedaling. I just read a thing online earlier today that Tony Khan now has to, they're going to re, not rebrand, but like make the product more sportsmanlike and all that stuff. Sportsmanlike? It's pro wrestling. What are you going to do? No, Nobody's bleeding anymore? No. What are you going to do? He's got too much talent there to waste. It's just all booking in business and tony khan doesn't have that experience and like i said before if trevor lawrence and them don't make the playoffs i don't know what big daddy's gonna do but i'm gonna tell you this is gonna affect AEW down the line but so far it's backfired cm punk WWE, the whole thing they're, I, they're winning in this I, one dan, dan is itching dan is itching to get in over here i can see it let's go dan what do you got I was going to say, if this is a work, it's not Tony Khan's involvement. This is Brian Pillman tricking Eric Bischoff into firing him for real so that he can yeah. run to the WWF. Yeah. If anybody's working, mm -hmm. it was Punk. He knew he he's not right. stupid. He could see the writing on the wall. He I mean, let's be he honest. And, and anybody that knows anything le legally, if you've got Punk and Ace Steel and all these guys signing NDAs, if, if AEW did nothing wrong, if this was 100% Punk's fault and he's a piece of garbage, you don't have them sign NDAs. You come out and say, look, this is what happened. The reason Punk's got an NDA is because he's got a legitimate grievance for why three of your EVPs and your head of legal barged into a locker room to throw down. You know, um, it's, it's just crazy. But the problem is, I think, even for the people who who, who want to point at Punk and say he's not the model employee and he's going to come out and he's going to fail in the WWF, I think 
Punk is too arrogant and 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 deservedly so. So maybe his ego, but he's also spiteful. He is going to succeed in the WWF, and right. he's going to play nice and he's going to do his thing just so he can point to AW and say, "Look, I wasn't the problem there." Like Benny said, you had and and Benny made a mistake by calling them talent. You had people in the locker room that that were that were wrestlers and EVPs. Kenny Omega was in charge of developing a video game that lost a bunch of money. The Young Bucks, Nick Jackson's wife was your head of of merchandise and marketing, which failed miserably except for CM Punk selling stuff and now she's gone. And you've got I mean just just time after time no it, what's going to end up happening is Punk is going to be the biggest star in the world for at least let's say a year or so before he wear and tear or he'll, he'll be written off to go take a break and he I, I he'll probably win a t- win a title at some point definitely um he'll win Rollins's title he's not getting the WWE title that's Cody's that's his story to tell uh I think if he does turn heel it'll be on Cody because Cody against Punk promos would sell uh, anything like I mentioned on uh on our 30 show he just sold out in Madison Square Garden for a 10 uh 20 minute match with Dominic Mysterio 16,000 standing room only they added seats with the disclaimer views are obstructed and they sold all those out too just because CM Punk is that big of a name the yep. bucks are gone omega's gone aw's falling apart at the seams and now there's stories coming out that warner brothers discovery is in talks with the wwe because yep. of how much the executives at warner brothers discovery liked punk anyway collision yep. wouldn't exist without him imagine raw jumping over to tnt what does aw have at that point nothing they're not, they're no punk's defection i if you even want to call it that going back to the wwe and proving he's the biggest star in the world and so far behaving himself and the fans are loving it. I think the other important note is when he was cutting a promo a few weeks ago, he was talking about people he could work with. And he said, Kevin Owens. He's like, but I don't know. Kevin Owens is one of those guys that will fight Jay. He's like, you can't have somebody in the locker room that's just punching people in the back for no reason. And, and, and the crowd reaction was, eh, whatever, because most of those fans, don't follow AW enough to care about what happened in his past. All they see is I haven't seen CM Punk on TV in 10 years, and I'm super excited he's here. I don't care about AEW. I don't care about the backstage. And that's a shame because looking at the fans now, and I think we've talked about this on, on a previous episode, the hardcore AEW fans have put their foot down and said, we don't need anyone else besides us. Well, Collision got 250,000 viewers last week. You need more fans or you're going to be out of business. Yeah. And Punk brought those fans, and they left with him. And just and just a real quick follow-up. Seth Rollins followed up with that. The backstage altercations do not happen in the WWE. Right. That's where I think this whole thing's a mark. I did some work. <laughs> and and don't, up. because you've got, you've got real leadership back there that'll put their foot down. Right. CM Punk wanted out. He got out. Whatever which way he got out, he got out. And look what's happening now. So, you know, kudos to him and whatever he did to get out. And he did it. He did it. Exactly. By the way, where's Jack Perry? Have we seen Jack Perry? We don't even know where he still, is. Still suspended. He's he's under the devil mask. You watch. No way. <laughs> drop the ball. That big well, uh, according, according to the uh, the chat, I'm under the devil mask. Oh, you are. Wow. Bruce, where were you last Bruce. night? <laughs> so listen, let, let, let's fast forward to something that I don't think any of us would have ever thought would happen. On September 12th, the sale of WWE to Endeavor is finalized. 
ending a 69 years of the McMahon family ownership. WWE merges with UFC to form a new company, the TKO Holdings Group. Guys, what what does what impact does this have to us as fans of professional wrestling? Let's see. Uh, let's start with you, Dan. Well, I can say right off the bat that the quality of programming on WWE TV has noticeably improved. And based on ratings, ticket sales, and other things, fans are starting to speak with their wallet. They want to see this new product. Uh, obviously, you know, Vince is gone, but the people, so the people they kept and the new people TKO brought in are doing a phenomenal job. The product is the hottest and the best it's been in years. So the promotion that means a lot. I also think, like you said, you've got a lot of potential crossovers. Maybe not have a brawl for all where we're going to have a wrestling match and then we promise this next match is actually a real fight. You know, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if Conor McGregor or somebody yeah. like that is, is, a, is a guest referee at Mania because you're already under contract. I'm paying you. Might as well throw you a few extra bucks. Bam, here you are. You know, here's here's somebody you know uh depending on what hometown you're in you could go back to the well and and bj penn and george st pierre and some of these guys that are still doing some of the random promotional materials hey look we're in bj penn's hometown he's going to be the guest referee the way they bring out clay matthews when they're in green bay or whatever um you know i i think they've got so much potential for so much good to come from this and the biggest thing is now the right people are in the right places and that most important bit is that Vince McMahon, not only is he gone, gone, but he's gone for real because he sold his stock. So there's no coming back. Finagle your way in. Take your billionaire money and your crazy mustache and go yep. sit in the corner, you crazy old man, because the big boys are actually running a good company, a better company. And as you saw from Punk and Cargill and other people, wrestlers want to come work for you again. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so, what do you uh, you got anything to add on to that, Benny? Dan did a great job. I don't really have much to add. I, I totally agree. It's just a breath of fresh air. Absolutely. I mean, as much as Vince McMahon did for the world of professional wrestling, it was just he he did enough. It was just time to get on the bus and go home. You know, bring your porn star mustache somewhere else. And uh, you know, I, I already see things happening for the good. I think it's just going to get better and better. I think, uh, you know, I think they're going to leave AEW completely in the dust. Yeah. And, I mean, you see you see the benefits of a well-managed company. And you, you know, just as you're seeing now, the the non-benefits of a poorly managed company with AEW. So I think it's nothing but a positive. Yeah, I'm, I think it's a little bit of a double-edged sword because we don't know what they're going to bring. Are they going to – I know that they're going to be going more and more after the fringe fans. Are they going to ruin the product even further? I mean, in my own opinion, wrestling is nowhere near what it used to be. You know, the, the facial expressions, the little selling of the moves, all, all the little stuff is gone. That's the stuff I want to see brought back um, just to make the – other events, the premium live events, a little bit more meaningful. Let's take a step back on, on some things, but hey, listen, I, I hope it gets better. Um, you definitely see a better production level right right now, uh, and you definitely, definitely see better promotional level. They are everywhere. WWE is advertising uh, in ways that I would have never thought they, they would. You know, stuff comes up on, on my YouTube feeds. It comes up on... Uh, oh, Everything, every social media, and yep. their their presence just presence seems to be you know, more and more, especially since this TKO merger. So, yeah, but uh, no, well, I totally, I totally go real quickly. Just 
Uh, UFC, WWE, two pay-per-view or whatever you want to call them, premium live event conglomerates together now. It, it's it's over. It, it's going to be unbelievable. What the, the sky's the limit. I said it before. Conor McGregor is going to battle uh, Roman Reigns in the octagon, or you're going to put somebody else in a cage match. You're going to see these crossover weekends sooner rather than later. Yeah. Probably stop one in Vegas, Saturday night WWE, Sunday night UFC, and everybody's going to fly in for that because it's going to be the place to be. And Tony Khan's going to be left holding the bag. He's not going to know what to do. Yeah, they're going to own their own. Like, P- you know, they're going to probably get end up coming off of Peacock and combining with the UFC and doing all the premium live events in their own type of thing that with with its own subscription level. I mean, that that's the way I definitely see it going. I, I it do. works. Yeah. It worked for TNA. If you remember, they had that short short lived partnership with. Um, Bellator, where they brought in like uh, uh, Rampage Jackson and T- uh, Tito Ortiz, and they had yeah. cross promotion events, and that was some of the biggest business that TNA had ever done at that point. Yeah, that's good stuff right there. So, so yeah. let's let's fast forward to November twenty fifth. Randy Orton appears in a WWE ring for the first time in eighteen months. Orton is one of the most decorated stars in WWE history. Are you happy to see him back? And what do you think will happen with him in 2024? So, Dan, we're going to start off with you again. Well, I was happy to see him back. I mean, yeah, I, I was. there were times I wasn't the biggest Orton fan just because of the angles he was being put in. But the man always delivers. I'd be hard-pressed to find a bad match where you can point and say that match is Randy Orton's fault. I mean, he's he's not to the point of, you know, I can have a good match with a broomstick, but he's definitely the guy that if you want to put put something together, you put him in there. It was great to see him. I Clearly, the crowd loves him. He looks like he's in great shape. The fact that, that when he first hurt his back and they were talking about the double fusion, they weren't even sure if he was going to be able to walk right anymore, and there he is dropping RKOs, and that spot where he did the RKO off uh, you know, onto J.D. McDonough where he, they threw him off the top of the cell, that was, or excuse me, off the top of the cage, that was great stuff. Um Ignoring the fact that the War Games match, the War Games cell should have a roof, but that's beside the point. Um, and and I think the fact that we still fondly remember it, despite the fact that his return was overshadowed by Punk, just shows what he brought. Uh, next year, I think he goes back to the scene he was in before. He's the main event guy. I don't think he needs another title run, but he's definitely going to be the guy you put if you want to push somebody to the next level. Seth, Shinsuke, whoever you're going to have to push to the next level, you have them work with Orton first. Because even if they lose that feud, they come out of it looking like a million bucks. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, Phil, you got anything to add to that? Yeah. uh, Yeah. I just wanted to briefly mention regarding the UFC WWE synergy. Let's not forget the Joe Rogan effect here. Joe Rogan was the highest rated talk show in any platform, anywhere would be a great mediator would be is a great guy and he's had a lot of wwe guys on before which is great and i see only better things this his platform certainly can draw even more fans into it and i wanted to command uh to commend dan on the gsp george st pierre reference one of the greatest fighters ever gsp is the the bomb really good (laughs) yeah but randy orton man yeah doesn't he look great kurt angle speculated that orton must weigh about 275 pounds now and, uh, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised because he looks a lot bigger. Of course, he's had a lot of time off. What surprised me is Kurt Angle thinking, oh, he's, he's going to be natural. I, well, I hope he is. He looks incredible. I hope he can sustain that, too, because he's very impressive now, as is AJ Styles, too, by the way. Mm-hmm. God almighty. Yeah. Yeah. The time off off the road can really 
can really help. But yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing again a third generation wrestler who um, I think he might have another run in him for sure. And uh, he can only help the business. I, I think he's fantastic. And uh, yeah, I'm still a market for him. And uh, psych, but he's back. Big return. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, my take is Randy Orton is back. And as long as his back is healthy and he stays healthy, he'll main event premium line of live events. Whether it's a WrestleMania, whether there's a title run, I don't think so. I mean, I think he's at that stage where he doesn't need that title. He'll be involved in major storylines. He'll be involved in factions. I can see him in a Drew McIntyre role, that type of stuff. But as for CM Punk and Cody Rhodes, we already know they're the main event in WrestleMania next next year. So my take is that Randy Orton is going to come back and he's going to do what's best for business. And he's going to just generate the most he can. It's too bad he was overshadowed with the Randy Orton and CM Punk in the same night. That that's that's a that one was too bad for him for him because all eyes were on him and of course CM Punk stole the show. But as long as he stays healthy, he's going to be a great ambassador for the WWE like he always has been. He's going to retire. He'll be in the Hall of Fame and all that stuff. But he's back and he'll definitely main event some premium live events down the road. I think there's a legitimate chance he wins at the New Year's event because the winner of that triple threat gets the shot at Roman at yep. the rumble and yep. i think that'd be a great spot to put orton right now yeah that's it so you capitalize so so awesome so hey, hey benny you got anything to add on to that uh, i'm delighted to see the guy i'm a huge randy orton fan been for many many years um he looks like he's in great shape he looks like he's enjoying himself um yeah. are, are we gonna see you know championship runs i doubt it uh, i think he's got a different role now i think he's really at the point in his career, I think he's like 43, going to be 44, you know, been around since what, 2001. I think what he's going to do is like kind of like a slow passing of the torch where he's going to be involved in, in feuds just to elevate people, uh, which there's nothing wrong with that at this point in his life. So um, I, I, I mean, still be, you know, uh, producing high quality matches. Uh, I'm just happy to see him back. I just hope he stays healthy. Oh, awesome. Benny, are you hearing voices in your head? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so listen, guys. It looks like we're we're getting towards towards the end of this. Uh, hey, Benny, did you see anything in the chat that you wanted to uh, that you wanted to bring in? Let's take a quick look. A quick gather. Let me see. There's a bogo sale and Brazilian hookers. Oh no, no, we don't want to. <laughs> wrong, uh, wrong chat. <laughs> yeah, wrong chat. I'm I, yeah, gonna go. Born uh, again? What the hell? No, no, kind of just some small talk here, talking about Joe Rogan. We Davio, we just need a wrestling channel, 24 hours of wrestling, various promotions. Man, that would be cool. Just like a nonstop loop of all like, the territories. Wouldn't that be a great thing? That'd be good. That'd be good. All right. Yeah, time off road and HGH help from B40. <laughs> yeah. Or Orton and Styles wouldn't be the first person to uh, come back from injury with 25 to 40 pounds more muscle than they left with. Yeah, well, they probably had to build that muscle to protect the muscle from yeah. I mean, back Orton, injuries and all that stuff. Orton's always been in great shape, but oh, he's yeah. never been jacked. And no. he is jacked now, and that's that's yeah. a good physique, good for him. Because like hey. you said, you need all that extra muscle, especially if you're nursing a back injury. He needs that. And you probably won't see him doing some crazy moves and all that stuff. But what he's been doing lately has been 
I've been very impressed with a guy. 18 months he was out? 18 months? That's a long time. 18 months? It is, yeah. And, and you talk about happy accidents. If you remember, when he went down, he was in a tag team with Riddle. The fact oh, that yeah. Riddle got fired, I think, helped because they there's no storyline involvement with explaining why Orton came back and didn't go back to his tag team with Riddle. You can just yeah. throw him right past it as if that never happened. Yeah. That's what 18 did, did comment by B40. 44, not old in wrestling. Not when you have uh, Ric Flair stumbling, stumbling around at 74. Who, who he did say Wings. on record that he will not get back in the ring, even though, right. he, even though he's medically cleared, he said. That, like, so what does that mean? <laughs> you know, the thing about Orton, though, that I, I think is the most uh, – I like the best, most is that he looks like he's having a good time out there. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. He's at that time. That's his. That's his. What he's doing now. So yeah. Yep. So, yep. well, listen, guys. It's been a. Right. It's been about an hour and a half. I think we should. We should start to wow. wrap, wrap this up. Jesus. Listen, I. I gotta say thank you to each and every you one of you, Phil. I, it was great meeting you, and I. You know, I can't wait to work with you again through throughout this year. Right on, Bruce. Be Benny, I've been having a blast working with you on all these things. And I can't wait to see what we come oh, up yeah. with in in the future. Dan, we haven't really worked on many projects together yet, but let's let's get something moving this year. Yeah, Joe. Hey, we we've been having fun on that, that wrestling remembered. And uh, thank you for 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 everything. You guys have anything you want to shout out? Yeah, what a day! Happy New Year to everybody. Be safe. If you get a drink and drive, don't drive. Right on. What about you? Yeah, speaking of that, Joe, the voices in my head say it's time for a shot of Fireball. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, the, the voices in my head say uh, we know who the real champ is. That's all. Oh. oh yeah. You gotta have the belt, brother. You gotta have the belt. Like I said, we know what I got in this pillowcase. It's the real world title now. Oh, there you, go. <laughs> you guys have a good New Year's, man. Yeah, yeah, you you too. So, well, well, my friends, that that about wraps everything up. Um, there is one more thing I'd like to say before calling it a night. On behalf of Michael Monte, all of us here would like to say, from the bottom of our collective hearts, thank you for all of you that have watched and supported the shows throughout 2023. You know, there are some days when I may have been dragging, but I saw something on TV or maybe YouTube that made me smile and made it a little bit easier to get through that day. When you're doing what we do, that's exactly what we aim for. Maybe one of you had a rough day or struggling with something, and watching Monty and the Pharaoh was some somewhat of a distraction. Trust me, that's... That's what we want to do. We, we, when I tell you that you, all you guys in the chat have that effect on, on me. Um, I love you guys all. You guys mean the world to me. You mean the world to every one of us. You know, the, yes. the, the Maria yeah. Davis, Luz Cannon, Davio, Jason Moore, uh, RJ, yep. Beth. Jason and RJ. Everybody. Yeah, B40. They rule. Oh, Joe yeah. Myers. Joe Myers, everybody. Big B40. Fans. You know, anybody we're forgetting. Matthew, even Matthew Holland, you know. Even Matthew <laughs> Holland, yes. Even Matthew Holland. So, so listen, from, from all of us on the Mounting and the Farrell family, we love you. Have a safe and happy and healthy new year, and we yep. will see you in 2024. Later, guys. We love you, girls. Thank you for being a friend. Yes. What, what a day. What a day. What a day. What a year, man. Yeah. <laughs>